Just before I dive into our message, uh, Richard and Yolanda uh, is a are from our church, and we've been praying for their son, Keith, for a long time. I know even my, my wife and I and our kids just faithfully uh, praying for him and just wanted to just welcome him. He's been in Afghanistan and just want to welcome him back. Can you, can you wave to everybody, Keith, just real quick? Just, uh, uh, that's right, grateful, grateful for his service. We're thankful for you, Keith. Seriously, you're a blessing. And uh, this morning, we're continuing in our series just talking about uh, God's grace and really the hope in this ser- series working through Galatians is that, that his grace has been amplified in our minds and our hearts as we're getting a clearer picture of it through uh, just chapter by chapter going through Galatians. And man, what a fantastic uh, gift it's been even in my own life just seeing that picture of his grace expanded a couple weeks ago, uh, we, John Irwin, when he was speaking, he talked about uh, life uh, being kind of broken into a continuum and basically life broken down into kind of two seasons for those of us that have embraced Christ and kind of the season before Christ, just, just lost in our confusion, lost in trying to figure out what this world's all about, trying to solve things on our own apart from from Christ, then there comes this crossroads where every person is really faced with its decision. I believe this is the decision, the choice that our life, if you're going to look back over our 70, 80, 90, 100 years that you're here on this, this planet, uh, what our life comes down to is one major choice. What are we going to do with Jesus' offer of his death as payment for our sin? And that, that choice is a decision that many of us in this room have already made. If you haven't made that decision, I'll tell you what, it's, it would be the most, it's the most critical choice you can make in your life. But I'll tell you, after that decision has been made, that choice, and it is a choice, God is a gentleman, he doesn't force himself upon us, he gives us the opportunity to accept or reject what he did for us on the cross, then after that decision... There's another choice that we're going to talk about in our life uh, that happens really from that point forward. This representing the, our life after accepting Christ. And really, that first choice was just all that we only had one decision. Just call out, God, please save me. I'm pleading for my jailbreak. You know, and we made that choice. He responded to that call. And then life in him has looked completely different, completely different since embracing that, uh, that free gift. In this life, though, since then, I want to propose this morning what our text points to is that also has another choice, an ongoing choice. And this choice doesn't, it, it no longer affects eternity. Eternity's already been secured through Jesus' death as payment for our sins. But the choice that we have now determines what this life, our time left on this planet, actually looks like. Whether we have abundant and vibrant life and in Christ, in his spirit, or whether we go back to the old ways, the, the flesh, back to what's natural to us. And so this morning we're going to look at that choice between the living in the spirit or living in the flesh. Let me pray for us before we dive in. God, we thank you for this chance to be together in your house and to celebrate you and to worship you appropriately in song. Now we ask that you'd speak through your word. God, any sense of, of pride of having this all figured out, God, I th- pray that that would just leave this room, that you'd speak to us directly in a fresh new way, that you'd teach us your ways, God. 
No, that's only possible through your spirit being active and moving in this room. So we invite you here now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. If you want to flip with me in your Bibles, we're in chapter 5 of Galatians. We're going to be in verse 16 starting this morning. And really this option, these options that we have are started, they, Paul lays it right out of the gates of what those two choices are. The options in verse 16, I've already alluded to it. It says this, but I, Paul speaking, but I'm sorry, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Really, they're pointing to the two worlds that are colliding, the living by the Spirit or living by the flesh. And you notice that he's not making it as a suggestion, as like, maybe you should try this, but it's more of a directive. He's saying, I say this, I say. It's not a, not a maybe you want to do this, but he's saying, walk in the Spirit. And the present tense of this idea of walking in the Spirit is that it's something that's designed to be something that's continual. It's ongoing. It keeps happening in our life. It's not a one-time event. This choice that we have is an ongoing, moment-by-moment, second-by-second. Some of you that have been following Christ for a while can attest to this, like how it's not solved at one time. It's something that's ongoing. All right. Am I going to respond in the flesh? Am I going to respond in the spirit? How am I, how am, I am I going into my day by, by what I want to do, my, my desires, my wants? Am I, is he leading or am I leading? So this continual, the picture of walking is moving forward. This picture of like, hey, listen, I might not be where I want to be, but I'm definitely not where I used to be, right? Anybody amen to that? As you look back at the landscape of your life, you're like, there's still a ways to go, but I've come a long way. Praise the, the Lord for that in our lives. But uh, this, the, the truth is, though, this whole walking in the Spirit, this, really any talk about the Holy Spirit can get a little bit confusing. I've uh, read the book, I don't know if you've seen it, called The Forgotten God. It was written by Francis Chan and uh, some of our college students just recently going through that there and uh, here at the church and really pointing out the idea that we have this tendency to worship only two-thirds of the Godhead. Just leaving the, the Holy Spirit out, I think there's something about the Holy Spirit that's maybe anything that talks about spirit or holy. I don't know what it is with maybe either of those words that you're like, whoa, I'm not ready for that. You know, I didn't sign up for this, uh, this hokey pokey. You know what I mean? Like this is like, but, but the truth is the Holy Spirit maybe isn't as complicated, as intimidating as we maybe have made him out to be. John 14, 6, Jesus brings some clarity to what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is. When he's trying to encourage his disciples, when he's a, about to leave, he's saying to them, listen, he's saying, he's saying, listen, I'm sending you another helper, another helper. And I love the, the word used there for another is the Greek word alos, which means same kind or just like the first. See, the truth is, is that the king isn't, hasn't left the kingdom. He's just changed his residence. Does that make sense? The king hasn't left the kingdom. He's just changed his residence. That's why he encourages the disciples in John 16, 7. He says, it's to your advantage that I go. It's to your advantage because now I'm going to set up camp inside of you. I'm going to set up camp inside of you. Does that really sink into us? Can we really fathom what that means? If we're in Christ, he's in us, living through us. 
A lot of people, if you ask them, they'll, they'll talk about different favorite Old Testament characters. You think you can probably bring one to mind, your own one, that you're like, oh man, I love this Old Testament character. And have you ever thought before like, how fun it'll be when we get to heaven to get to sit down and like, have a chat with Joshua or, or David? Or you, you fill in the blank. One for me would be for sure Moses, you know, like oh, on the top of Mount Sinai, God speaking to him directly. How cool that must have been. Like asking, can you imagine sitting down and asking Moses? Moses, like, tell me about that. Like, what was that like? Like, the God and the, the thunder and the power, what was that like? You were white, like a ghost after encountering him. And he, I imagine in that conversation, he'll be like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, what was my conversation like with him? Like, what about him living inside of you, dwelling in you? You see, prior to Christ in the Old Testament, he would have his presence on someone for a season or a period, and then there'd be seasons where it's not. But, but here, the truth is when we've embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he set up camp ongoing inside of us, ongoing inside of us. It's a, it's a powerful reality and a truth. But I think maybe we've confused that. Maybe we've made it more complicated than it necessarily is. Where the, the Holy Spirit living inside of us is, is a guide. He's a director. He's the one that can move us in the, in the right way. He tells us what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go. He gives those nudges and promptings. Anybody attest to hearing those nudges and promptings consistently? Maybe, maybe we confuse it a little bit. I think back some years ago, my uh, wife and I were invited with some friends. They had a house on a lake, and I, I believe it was in Michigan. And uh, we went to the lake house, and it was a nice setup. They had a pontoon boat, and uh, right outside of their house, they were on the water. Uh, it wasn't a real, real great uh, beachfront uh, spot, but they were like, yeah, but we have this one beach, and it's across the, the lake, and uh, it's, about, it's about 15, 20 minute ride on the pontoon boat to get there, and it's real sandy and nice. I don't know how that works in Michigan, but, uh, but so we decide uh, to go, and there's two means to getting there. They said, well, well, we'll drive the pontoon, but somebody needs to drive the wave runner over there to get it over there, and I'm like, hmm. I'll serve in that capacity. And, uh, and so, so I, I throw Chase on there, and we're having a great old time. This pontoon boat's putting, putting along, getting over there. Get to the other side of the, of the lake on the Wave Runner, and Chase there is awesome. Had a great time. Get there, and in the middle of our time, we're about an hour, hour in of kind of playing and goofing around in the water. All of a sudden, there's this thing that started coming in the sky. You guys may not have heard of it. It's this rain cloud that started coming, and uh, and it started. The sky just started getting black, like to, one of those storms that was just like no warning, just like on you. And at first, it started to drizzle a little bit. And we're like a. I don't, but you're looking at the sky and you're like, this isn't going to just pass. And so they said, well, we should gather up our things and start heading back. And, and uh, at first I thought, oh, it just might sprinkle a little bit. But like I started riding with Chase. It's about a 15, 20 minute ride. And all of a sudden it went from just like a little light rain. And the guys in the pontoon, they've got the, the canopy thing. They're all sheltered and laughing at us. And, uh, and I start riding straight out to go across this lake. And it's just this downpour. I mean, it was intense. It was one of those ones where you can't hardly see five feet in front of you just coming down and the, the rain felt like needles hitting your skin. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those rainstorms. Uh, and, and so we're riding it and Chase, he, he tried to stay strong, man. He tried to stay strong, but he's only four years old. And he, he starts kind of, I hear him kind of whimpering a little bit. And I was like, hey, listen, I, I slowed down. I stopped. It's just getting drenched. And I said, Chase, how about this? Why don't why don't we turn you around 
why don't you just nuzzle in? I'm going to take my life jacket. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it around you. I, and you just, you just focus on just trying to stay warm and stay close to me. And, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll get you home, Chase. I'll get you home. And I, I was thinking about that. And it was one of the more uh, intimate times with my son, just an awesome dad-son experience, like just riding. And I'm like, I don't even care, man. I got my son here. I'm riding and, and just he- head, heading back to the, the lake house. And it was, it was a long ride. It was about a 15-minute ride back. And, uh, and I was thinking about that. What a, what a picture of this invitation that God gives us. He's just saying, don't complicate this. Just turn in on me. Just put your, wrap your arms around me. Allow me to be the one driving. Allow, allow me to be the guide. You can, you can take off the sailor's hat and just, and just let him play the appropriate role of God in your life. What does that look like? What does that look like? It's an awesome invitation to walk, not, not, not walk with the Spirit, not, not, but, but this picture, walk by the Spirit. He's the source. He's the one empowering you. So that's, that's one of the options. The other option, as we've mentioned, is, is going back to the old way, where you're the one driving the ship, where you're the one, where it's all about me, 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 just like everybody else, everybody else that we're surrounded by. That's living in the flesh. But I love this offensive strategy that he points out that he says that he says, when you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. They can't coexist together. It doesn't work. And so those options are what we're presented with moment by moment. But you see, if you're like me, you recognize that, guess what? That's not an easy choice, right? It's not like, oh, yeah, I got that taken care of. I'm going to just keep on. I mean, because logically, you're just like, walk in the Spirit? Of course, I'm going to do that. But the truth is, it's a, it's a battle, Right? Any amens to that? Like that tug of war, please, if there's ever an amen, that's one. There's a tug of war going on. And first, and it's mentioned in verse 17. Take a look what it says. It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This picture of the war that's going on within each one of us. You ever wonder, like, what's going on inside of you? You're like, wait a second. Like, why is it that there's such a tug towards holding grudges, towards getting even with somebody, towards trying to push somebody down as you rise up, towards dishonesty? Why is there such a tug towards lust stuff? Like, what, what is it with the tugs in our life? But the truth is, you're not abnormal because you have that tug. We're seeing in the text. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them they're, no, they're normal. Say, say it to them. Notice, notice which one they picked. So if you're on the other side of them and they didn't pick you, I'd be a little concerned. No, but, the, but, this, uh, but this, this, picture, this picture is universal. Every single one of us has this pull from the flesh. When we accept Christ's death as payment for our sins, it sets the stage for an ongoing internal war between the new and old tenant. Does that make sense? You ever heard that expression like two's company, three's a crowd? Well, guess what? Like the, the flesh in you used to be just happily getting along. It wasn't even a choice. You did everything together. Now someone else has moved in and guess what? 
There's a tension between those two worlds. That's what he's saying there. He says, for these are opposed to each other. One's pulling one way, that's the other way. Paul talks about this in Romans 7.22. He says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind. Make me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. This idea of an ongoing struggle, ongoing struggle. But the truth is, and this is the encouragement there, is before we made that decision to embrace Christ, you didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. It wasn't even an option. All you could do was live in sin. All you could do was to live in the flesh. Scripture says that even our our righteous acts were like filthy rags before God. Because what? It was done in my own strength, my own power. So you didn't even have a choice. The encouraging thing is in this war, now we have a choice. The Spirit doesn't operate automatically in the believer, but he waits to be depended on, requiring saints to cooperate. We have to decide to let him reign and rule in our life, and it's a moment-by-moment battle. My question for us is in that battle, who's winning? Who's winning? If someone were to look at your, at your life, would they say like, man, the, the Spirit is definitely reigning in your life? Or, or they'd say like, no, you know what, he's definitely, what do we call it? carnal Christian, right? Like he's definitely living by the flesh, the old way. Who's winning this war in your life? It's an important question. It's a very important question. And you, ask, you might ask, you say, well, well, how do you know? How do you know which is winning? I'm glad you asked because the next section points to that. Two different outcomes in verse 19. One, how you know if you're living in the flesh. How do you know? Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Let's pause there. The thing that that first jumps out is the, what does it say now? The works of the flesh. Works of the flesh. The idea there is that it's evil that originates with me. It's not like we can blame it on Satan. Not like we can blame it on the world system. It starts with me. That's works of the flesh. It's rooted fully in A number one, moi. And that's what he's pointing out there, that it starts there. And it, but the truth is, is that it's completely normal, as we mentioned, it's completely normal that for somebody that's living apart from Christ, but it's abnormal and interruptive for those who are living in Christ. You see, God's sanctification week process of making us like him that we talked about last week can be interrupted but and slowed down by the flesh, by going back to that old way of living. And he points to these different, these different things as to clues that maybe you're in the flesh. Let's take a look at them just briefly. One commentary breaks them into three categories, sex, religion, and relationships. The first one says sexual immorality which is illicit sexual behavior. It's a broad term, and it's meant to describe anything that's outside of God's design for sex. God designed sex to be in the context of marriage between a husband and wife. And so anything outside of that falls into that category, sexual immorality. 
Impurity, the outcome of sexual immorality, is unrestrained sexual indulgence. This idea of just like, you know what, there's no longer a battle. I'm just releasing to that. I'm submitting to that. Next category of religion, that you can see the word idolatry there. Idolatry is worshiping man-made items. Any of the things that, make, that the world makes that's a little bit shiny and sounds a little bit good, like, oh, there, there's something. I want to worship that. I want to make that my focus, make that my pursuit. So religion, it's funny that we fall, that falls under the religious category because what it can become in our lives, if we're not careful, the things of this earth become our religion. So I, that idea of idolatry, the next word there, sorcery. I thought this was interesting. It's from the Greek word pharmakia. Pharmakia, which where we get the word pharmacy from. Interesting. Pharmaceutical from. Drugs used at that time to attempt to commune with the spirit. That was still, even back then, like was a, a means to try to... Uh, and he's speaking to that context, this idea of something that was an attempt to delve into the, the, the spiritual realm. I get concerned when I see previews nowadays and Christians being, Christ followers being okay with some of the horror movies that are out there. I'm like, man, that, that, that can't be appropriate. It can't be appropriate. Sorcery continues. This next one, under the umbrella of relationships, enmity, which would be hateful attitudes, strife, ongoing conflict. Some people that are, that are just ongoing, just, just bitter, just angry, like just always in the middle of some kind of a conflict, some kind of a battle. You know those people that you come, you're like, who are you mad at this week? Who, who set you off? You're like, just take it easy. Like that's some people, that's a descriptor of their life. Jealousy, anger stemming out of covetousness, fits of anger. This idea of unrestrained hostility towards other. Some of us experience that in traffic every single morning. Fits of anger. Then the outcome of those, they lead to rivalries, dissension, division, and envy. The products of those. Drunkenness and orgies, orgies likely falling under the idea of pagan uh, worship rituals at that time. And so all of them falling and, and describing what it is for somebody that's living in the flesh. Notice at the end of that description, though, he says, and things like these, making sure that he's, he's real clear that that's not an exhaustive list. That's not the list. Most likely, that's the list that the people that he's talking to would be most familiar with. My question is, what does that look like today? Maybe it mirrors it. Maybe it's exactly like it. I was talking with, with Chad, and we were talking through this text this week, uh, and he pointed to, he's like, you know what, the, the message, the, that, that translation of this text, of those verses, has a really clear picture of that. Let's take a, a quick read of that. I thought this was a pretty profound insight into that text. It says, this is verse 19, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, it's repetitive, it's loveless. Cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Is that our world? Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved. It's powerful. Divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, 
uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. I thought that was a, a great picture of the depravity of living in the flesh. Things that mark somebody that's living in the flesh. The, the, some of those pictures there, paranoid loneliness. And in, the one that struck me, an impotence to love or be loved. Ugly parodies of community, fake community. So he points to those different things. He's saying, if those are the things that mark your life, anybody you want to sign up for that camp? Does that sound good? Like, sign me up, man. Get me a, get me a, bull, get, get me a board. Uh, put me on the clipboard. Like, no, not at all. That's not it. But what does he, what does he paint? He com- completes that picture. He says, listen. He said, listen to, he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you read that, you're like, wait a second, wait a second. You've been saying, Scott, for the last month that it's not based on works. It's not based on doing things or not doing things. It's solely on the grace through Jesus Christ. And that is absolutely correct. It's absolutely correct. The thing that's important to see are these three words. Those who do. Those who do. Those who do is pointing to an ongoing submission. The idea of those who do is saying somebody that continually, ongoing, habitually submits to those. A person's character is determined by common, habitual actions, not occasional ones. You see, what happens is when those become habitual actions in our life, you start to question where our allegiance lies, right? If, it is, if there's no battle going on, you have to question whether the Spirit's present or not. I talked about this last week, that yes, once you're saved, you're always saved for sure. But then there's the question mark, is somebody actually saved? What this is teaching, that it's going to be evidence, there's going to be fruits, there's going to be indicators, like a, like a, a, a fingerprint. There's going to be fingerprints showing that somebody has the Spirit living inside of them. And if those become a a habit and that becomes the descriptors of your life, you have to wonder, like, you have to ask that tough question. Is the Spirit residing in me? Have I embraced Him? Have I embraced Jesus' death as payment for my sins? So that's a a key thing. I think that's a tension that's healthy for us to live with. Will not inherit. But it's the, the point of the major question, question of where our allegiance lies. So this list is evidence of those living in the flesh. How about the list of the Spirit? Let's see if this, this list sounds any more appealing to us. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. This idea here, this picture that he's painting of what are markers or what are fingerprints, and Scripture describes it consistently. In the, in the Old Testament, it speaks of fruit 106 times. The New Testament refers to it 70, 70 different times. Ongoing picture, Matthew 7, 20 says this, Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. If Christ is in you, you're going to see it. There's no way, there's no examples of maybe this person not. And this picture of fruit is a great picture. I was over at one of our uh, elders' houses, and uh, I was leaving his house. And right in the center, his name's Doug uh, Flagg. And right after I was leaving, I noticed in his front yard, 
he had this orange tree, and it was awesome. I don't know if the picture really captures it. Like, there was no question that that was an orange tree. You can kind of see if you look closely, like, there's just tiers of oranges all the way through this. And I'm a, I'm a, a Midwesterner, and so I, I'm like, man, this is cool, like orange trees. In fact, I came back, we're planting some of the uh, plantings around the church, and I'm like, we're doing orange trees. And, uh, and so, uh, so the, this idea of, like, when something is an orange tree, if that was absent of those oranges, you'd be like, yeah, it's kind of a cool green bush. And, uh, but no, man, that's, a, that's, a, that's an orange tree. Like there's oranges all over it. And this is the picture that he's painting in the life of a believer. He doesn't describe it as fruits of the Spirit. He describes it as fruit. It's unified. They should all be multiplying. They should all be happening in the life. They should all be evidences of a believer's life. Look at his list. It starts with love, which uh, one might argue is the really the uh, all of them come out of it. In our last section of scripture, verse six, faith working in love. Verse fourteen, whole law, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the overarching theme is love of this fruit. Well, even if it's not the the top one, it's pretty clear by the use of the word fruit that they're all inextricably related. They're connected together. The next one described as joy. Joy is mentioned about just, I think it's 70 times in the New Testament, just talking about that's part of a life of a believer. There, is, there should be an example of a grumpy Christian. You know what I mean? Like, we shouldn't look around and like, why are you always grumpy? Like, like obviously, like, you can't be a believer in Christ and be grumpy. It doesn't make sense. Like, you're clearly believing the wrong things about Christ. Like, joy should be something that exudes out of us. I like the definition my former senior pastor, James McDonald, had of joy. It says, a supernatural delight, meaning that it can't be forced, not based on circumstances, in the person, purposes, and people of God. A supernatural delight, something that God gives us. It's not dependent on things going well or not going well. Is that a marker in your life? Is joy a descriptor that somebody would give of you? Joy, one of the fruits of the Spirit. Peace, the next one listed there. I like this definition of peace. Exhilaration that comes from being right with God. Exhilaration, that's, that's peace in Christ. Exhilaration from being right with God. The scripture describes those that are apart from Christ as enemies of God. Like there should be an exhilaration that like, man, a peace that can't be explained from being right with God because of Jesus' work on the cross. Kindness, another one. I like this definition of kindness. Tender concern for others. Tender concern for others. How are we doing on that? Tender concern for others. What I've noticed in my life is God gives you these little, like, stop, pause. How's your heart on this? You guys notice that in your life with some of these fruits of the Spirit? He gives opportunities to to either live it out or not live it out. To, To actually live in that reality of that fruit in your spirit or to not. I was in uh, line. I was on vacation. My, my family goes on vacation to Ocean City, New Jersey on the Jersey coast. It's a fun tradition that we have. And one of the days uh, that I was there, uh, I guess it's been a couple years now, two years, uh, I had to mail something at the post office. And so I'm, I'm in vacation mode where you're just like, just chilled out, relaxed. But there's something about the U.S. postal line that robs you of that. Anybody else have that deal? Like, so, so I'm standing in line. I've got this one package thing to mail. I'm standing there, and there's a lineup, and man, are their employees slow. No offense if you work there. Uh, and, uh, and, so, and so I'm just waiting, just patient, patient. And the woman in front of me, 
I, I noticed what she was saying to the, the person. She was wanting to get her mail from her post office box. And, uh, and I, was, I was listening to the uh, conversation, the interaction that she was having with the, with the teller, the person working there. And uh, the, I noticed that the teller talked kind of quiet back to her in her response. And the funny thing about quiet talking is what does it do for us? It makes us listen harder, right? Even though it wasn't intended for us to hear. And, uh, and, so, and so the, the employee says, listen, that with your, with your post office box, you have like a $65 outstanding balance, and I'm not allowed to give you your mail until that's paid. And, uh, and I was listening to this go, go down, and, and a star of a sudden, the spirit starts working, and you guys know how, how this goes. And I'm just like, God's like, you can pay that $65, and then there's that little tug where the flesh is saying, but... I already overspent on vacation, like too many ice cream cones. Like we, we, we did seafood last night. It was more than I thought it was going to be. Family of five, you know, like you start doing this, this math about that Holy Spirit just keeps going. Just like, Scott, you, you can help her out. You can bail her out right now. Bail her out. Bail her out. And that voice starts getting a little bit louder, getting a little bit louder. And then I'm like, all right, God, finally. And so, and so I said, miss, let, let, me, let me help. And this isn't to praise me because I blow it all the time. But, uh, but, but I said, I said let, let me help. I'll, I'll pick that up. Let's you get, get your mail. You'll be, get, get you started with that. And so, so paid that. And she's like, she was like, just stunned. She's like, wow. She's like, thank you so much for doing that. And my, my response was, and it was, it was true. I was like, uh, it wasn't me. It, it's, it's Jesus living in and through me. It's, it's by, his, by him. I'm trying to live as best as I can. Like, I think he would live. She's like, huh cool, like interesting, and so, and, and so, and, and so cuckoo, uh, and so, and she, uh, and, and so in that, in that, in that moment, and really what I'm wanting to paint is the picture here is really life is made up of a bunch of moments, a bunch of moments where you're either acting, living, responding in the spirit or in the flesh, that's the choice that we're talking about. That's the choice that's being descri- described here is that choice in the moment, spirit or flesh. He goes down, continues on his description. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He has this, this picture at the end. He says, he says, listen, he says this, he's like, there's no law against these things. These aren't about a law. This is something that's embraced by our, like all of our culture like loves these things. They love to see kindness. They love to see faithfulness, goodness. Those are, those are universal in our world. They're attractive to folks that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But then he goes on, he says, he says a, a, a kind of a, a statement at the end that causes you to reflect a little bit. He says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When you first read that, you're just like, wait a second. Like, I, I, th- I thought that those things, that there's an ongoing war. Like, how are, they, how are they crucified? What does that even mean? Like, I thought, I, thought I, I definitely still have sin in my life. What do I do with 1 John 1, 8? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Anybody wrestle through those things as you read texts like that? But here's the picture. I love one commentator had a, a, a real clear picture of this. It had to do with the, the power that sin has in your life. It's been crucified. My, my wife grew up in, in Canada 
on a, on a farm, actually, in Canada. We were talking about it. Uh, even just this morning, she was telling me, she's like, yeah. Was, her dad was a grain farmer. She had, a, she had, what was your horse's name? She had a horse named Sunshine. She had a dog named Felix. You know, like, this is, like, a legit farm. Like, she had a... Her, her name's Adrian. Her, uh, her, her best guy friend at the time, his name was Rocky. Like, it's a true story. Uh, Rocky and Adrian, get it? And, um, and, so, uh, and so just kind of cool. But I was, I was asking, I was like, because uh, this commentator pointed out this picture of how the flesh works in our, in our life, how it's crucified. Where, but, but crucified to me says dead. But yeah, I feel like sin's running around. And this commentator pointed to the fact it's kind of, and kids, maybe cover your ears, kind of like a chicken with its head chopped off. In farm world, that's common speak. Like she's like, yeah, that was every, every week. They, they, they end up killing the chicken. They take off its head. I know that's hard for some of you to hear as you eat your chicken nuggets. But this is, how, this is, this is the reality of, of how that works. And what happens with the, the chicken's body? It's still floundering around. It's still doing, I'm not going to show a video or anything. Um, it, it, it's, still, it's still doing its same thing. And I think that was a perfect picture, although graphic, uh, a perfect picture of what the old flesh looks like. It's no longer master over us. It no longer has reign over us. Its power over us is broken. It still exists. It's still there as an option. You can go back to the flopping around like a dead chicken. But no, like who wants that? Like who wants that reality? That's life in the flesh. That's life in the flesh. But in verse 25, he paints, and I'll conclude with this. Verse 25, he gives a couple warnings to this life in the, in the Spirit. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And this caution here, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This caution that he gives is really the picture of just like, man, as, you're, as we're living in the Spirit, you don't need to find pride in that. Like, whoa, look at me. I'm living more in the spirit than you. Like, that's not the design of it. God's transformation process in people is a completely different plan for everybody. Completely different plan. And he, he might be in stage three and you're hoping for stage seven in somebody. Give God time. Let him work. Do, the, do what he's going to do. Bring them to this, this, this finally life in the spirit. So no, no envying, no looking at somebody else that's super spiritual and being like, oh, I wish I was like that. Like comparing yourself. No, God's got a plan for transformation in your life. Not using it to provoke one another. Not being conceited about it. But he leaves us with this picture, and I think it's a fantastic one. If we live by the spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's the picture that I like. I, I am going to invite up my youngest daughter, Sienna, as a little helper here. Can you say hi to everybody? All right, see, when, when, when the kids were little, they, we used to do this game. I don't know, maybe you did this with your kids. Where this, this step game, where you're holding on. Let me make sure I got this so I don't drop that. Uh, where you're, they're, they're stepping on you, and what do you do? Kind of walk around, do your, do your thing, kind of do circles. Wherever I go, you, you go, right, Sienna? It's hard, hard to go a different route. You can't really go, whoa, get tricked you there. But, but, but this is really the picture that I think captures it. Walk in the Spirit, but in step with Him. He goes one way, I go that way. He responds, thank you, Sienna, you're a sweetheart. And uh, the, um, 
But, 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 that, but that picture of being in step, like wherever he's going, I'm going. It's that idea we've revisited often here. That complete submission where you're saying, not my wants, not my desires, not my interests, not my likes. That's all about him. It's about him reigning in and through us. That's the invitation that each one of us has. And the truth is, is that it comes down to a choice. Not a one decision, not one time. It's not easy, right? Ongoing, moment by moment, second by second. Spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. Which am I going to live in? But the encouraging thing is, as we start to make progress and steps towards living in the Spirit, He starts to empower us to live even more by the Spirit. And it's an empowering submission where He starts to reign. And before you know it, you're like no longer stepping. You're running in the Spirit. Like He's talking to you constantly. You're responding to Him. The more you listen, the louder He gets, right? He's like, hey. He listened. I'll say something else. Like That's how I've seen the progression in my life. When I do live in obedience, God steps up. He empowers us to continue living in that life. Let me pray towards that end. God, we thank you for this text. We thank you for this picture that you've painted of the choice that we have. Each one of us, we, if we've made the decision to embrace Jesus' death as payment for our sins, and I pray somebody hasn't made that decision, do not leave this room without getting that straight. Then the ongoing moment-by-moment decision to live by the Spirit, not going back to the old way, the old way of thinking. God, I pray that you'd empower us to do that. We can only do that in your strength. We can only do it in your strength. That's why we ask for that now. Thank you for this text in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's make the choice this week, and it is a choice, thank God for that choice, to live in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Amen? If we can be praying for you about something, we'll be available here at the front. Otherwise, I pray God blesses you and uses you this week. Thanks.